1: AHHHHH <laughs>
0: Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the albums that created the collective unconscious of those who had to actively try to be sad in middle school for aesthetic purposes. I'm Hannah Leach, a multidisciplinary artist, podcast producer, and Gerard Way Groupie.
1: And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and emo kid by association. We (laughs) are the sister duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these albums since we first heard them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the albums
0: that first inspired our love for music in an attempt to answer the question, is this music actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if it is?
1: Today, we are talking about 2006's The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance.
2: This is My Chemical Romance, the new album, The Black Parade. Include the single Welcome to the Black Parade. My Chemical Romance, The Black Parade. It's fucking awesome.
0: While it may not be explicitly Halloween-themed, we all know My Chemical Romance is Halloween-associated. Yes. So, we figured that a little journey into emo-hood
1: would be appropriate. And we hadn't done an album since JoJo. Correct. It had been a minute.
0: If you noticed last week, did you see what I was wearing? If you didn't, go back to the YouTube channel and see what I was wearing because it was foreshadowing. And to those who are noticing it now, I appreciate you. And it was all a ramp up to the fact that today I am wearing a real Black Parade, like marching band jacket that was given to me by a School of Rock student when I was directing the Black Parade show, which we'll talk more about later. But this jacket is extremely legit.
1: So I had an idea. We're not going to replace question for the culture. If there is a question that needs to be asked, the question will be asked. (laughs) But I thought it would be fun to do a little different segment instead of question for the culture Mm -hmm. to do what are we obsessed with this week? specifically. It could be a person, a place, a thing, an event. I don't know anything. I'm currently obsessed with Conan O'Brien and there's just nothing I can do about it. (laughs) Okay. Why? He's just, you would have to get into it. You really would to understand. I think, so like our parents always watched Conan O'Brien growing up. I liked him. i I didn't know why. I kinda of, I think a lot of his jokes and humor kind of went over my head, but I could tell that he was the cool one out of the group of late night hosts.
0: Yes. Which is funny because he's not cool.
1: Well, that's the reason he's cool, is because he doesn't yeah. he's self-deprecating and but in a way yes. that is sustainable and feels right. And basically, Mm -hmm. he used to just always do remotes on his show. So it's like him going places and talking to people and like being out in the world. That's what I've been binging. It's not so much the late night show as it is his remote segments that are really, really funny. I think that he kind of has a Jack Black thing to him and that he is exactly
0: who he is and just walks around being genuine. Yep. Yeah, I need to get Conan pilled more than I am. What am I obsessed with this week? That's such a good question. Okay, I'm obsessed with wearing foundation (laughs) because last week, so I normally like never wear foundation, but I decided that I want to be like a base makeup girl And I went to Sephora last week and I got shade matched and I got upsold and it was great. I just went with it. And now I own Dior Foundation.
1: (laughs) But it's so nice. Do you not ever feel that like wearing foundation or base makeup more does make your skin worse? Because that's what that's what always happened to me weirdly, it's making mine better. That doesn't make sense. I don't know how it's possible, (laughs) but like I wore foundation like two
0: days in a row and then I didn't wear it yesterday and Josh was like, your skin looks so good. And I was like, that's interesting because I genuinely, I think it makes me touch my face less. And that helps. That's true. I have really intense makeup on today because it's the Lack Parade. But I was supposed to have a telehealth doctor's appointment right before this and would have been in this level of drag too. But they ghosted me. So telehealth is stupid. By the way, my, my, (laughs) it is, uh, my weird illness went away. I'm no longer tingling or dizzy for the time being. So we'll see how long that lasts. No one told us what it was. Shame on you all. No, we had no doctors in the audience, unfortunately. Okay, so before we get into this week's discussion of the Black Parade, go back in time to the Beauty and the Beast episode. And remember, the charming, friendly, precious Logan Potts. He is back with us this week just to talk about Halloween, talk about getting our costumes ready, and just sort of hang out for a little bit. So... Here's a bit of our conversation with Logan.
2: Thanks for having me, ladies. Glad to be back. Welcome. My 12 followers must be very excited. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very glad to be here.
0: Here's a question I have is, do we think that there are going to be as many Barbie costumes as one would assume?
1: I yes. almost want to say no, though. Like right? because, of the over, because of the oversaturation, like everyone's gonna be like, oh, but everybody's gonna do that and then less people will do it than would have. Potentially.
2: Yeah, but it reminds me of that movie, Never Been Kissed, where they go to prom and it's famous couples in history and they all go as Barbie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's uh-huh. just, I'm, tro- I'm tropical Barbie. I'm just, I think everyone's just going to go as random Barbie. So I'm Islet Barbie. I'm, you Types know, I don't know. Barbie. I think everyone, I yeah. think most people will be Barbie, I, I yeah. think.
0: I really want to get a wig for Halloween. So maybe I'll be witch, like pink witch Barbie. That could be yeah. good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that could, be yeah cute. that could be good. Do you know what uh, percentage of adults dress up for Halloween?
0: Do you know how many adults dress up? I <laughs> do. I did my homework
2: in these last few hours. I yes. know. Okay. 60 percent, which I thought it would be higher than that. But you kind of keep up the old people, like the real old people probably don't
1: yeah. dress up. So. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. That seems high
2: Yeah,
0: me. I that's think so good. too.
1: Audrey, do you think that you'll get trick-or-treaters? I know you're in an no. apartment, but still, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I've never gotten them in, in oh, any of yeah. my apartment buildings, even though my last one had a lot of kids in it. But I think they all they all will go to. Like neighborhoods in Brooklyn where there's really mm-hmm. good decorations, yeah, and like you kind of go to a place to trick or treat. Like there's not really I think apartments. Businesses do a
2: lot too. A lot of people. When I lived mm-hmm. in New York, a lot of people because I worked at a restaurant and people went in there all the time for trick or treaters. So I always thought that kids just went to you know restaurants and businesses and stuff like that for Halloween. But um, yeah, did you guys ever go into the Halloween parade in New York? The Greenwich yes. Village.
0: Yes. Largest
2: Halloween <laughs> parade in the world. I walked in it one year. I didn't dress up at all. I just wore cowboy boots and a tight shirt, you know, like it was, that was it, you know, but. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was. But a, you're just but like was watching so people
1: walk in the street. Like they're they not like on anything. They, They do like puppets and like some cute like diy looking things some of the floats not, are really like...
2: awesome but for the most part it's just uh look what i made at home you know yeah. and it's just mm-hmm. my friend that year went as he's a bearish of a guy too he dressed up as miley cyrus wrecking ball so he oh, had like this good. huge ball that looked like a wrinkling ball and like fake feet and so he was just like you know that's that was funny. really hilarious yeah
0: oh my god wait again, of course was that that Gives me 2013. Was it 2013? Yes. It was
2: probably whatever. It was. ball came okay, out. Okay, because so. I
0: was also at the parade that year. So oh, that was the year. That's the first year I,
2: I walked it.
0: Yeah, that Strolled was. It. That was my freshman year of college. So I was there, and it was scary. Fun. <laughs> it was fun though, and we may have been in the same place and just didn't. We know. might have. We might have. <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you guys like horror movies or are you more of a, the hocus pocus and Nightmare Before Christmas? And
1: Yeah, as children, definitely not horror people. Now I'm like finally catching up and like watching all the real horror franchises and like classics. Yeah. Um, now that I can handle it. But yeah, as kids, we were definitely more of like the cutesy, witch magic. Yeah. People. Halloween
2: Town. Yeah, yeah. I, I was right there. <laughs> There is quite a bunch of lists of scary movies that are out right now, like Saw Ten, Saw X, um, What <laughs> Evil Lurks, and The Exorcist Believer, the new Exorcist one. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nun Two, Haunting in Venice. Like I said, they're all. Uh, we're also bringing back some of the older ones, Hocus Pocus, uh, mm-hmm. the original, the best one. Which is Hocus Pocus Two is fine. You know, let them have their clap. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they're also bringing back The Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you guys Mm. consider that a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie?
0: To me, it's just a solid last quarter of the year movie, which means it's like very, very good vibes wise. That's how I feel about
2: it, at least. I've always thought of it as a Halloween movie. Always, always, you know, and Christmas is you know, touched on it, though. All of these movies are currently playing or will be playing very sh- soon, very shortly. You can see them all with Regal Unlimited. Uh, the thing that we're going on right now is a slasher, very Halloween-themed. <laughs> so this Halloween-themed, we know that it is going to end on Friday the what?
1: 13. 13th. 13th. I
2: didn't want to <laughs> leave you hanging. <laughs> the Friday, changed. we only got four more days left on it, though. But essentially what it is, is you get 50, 60 bucks off of this. The best deal of the year, better than Black Friday, better than what we do for Valentine's Day, better than what we do for anything. So this is wow. definitely the cheapest time to do it, which I had known. I wish I had known about this before I signed up. Um, <laughs> but it is fantastic. For example, if you uh, just get the standard theater one, it's just 167 bucks for a whole year. You can see wow. any movie, oh, multiple wow. movies a day, as much as you want. Less than 46 cents a day, like, it's the best deal that we have. With this, since you're getting $60 off, you're essentially getting a year's worth with three months for free. So it's a pretty darn good deal for people who like to see more than two movies a month. It definitely pays for itself. If any
1: of you
0: listening, if that applies to you, you better get on it. Because again, the sale ends on Friday. If you're listening right now, you have to go today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you have until the
2: thirteenth. <laughs> but I mean, you yeah, have to tomorrow. wait until the thirteenth. You know, like yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, I think a lot of people this year are going to be dressed up as Wednesday Adams. I think that will be oh, a big true. one.
0: Yes. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Logan, it's always a joy and a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's always a pleasure to see your beautiful faces. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we cannot wait till we have you back again.
2: I would love to see you guys again. Keep on doing <laughs> what you do. Keep on rocking out. Hope you guys have a good Halloween time. Thank
0: you. Too.
1: And now it's time to talk about the Black Parade. Are you ready, everyone? This may seem kind of random or like not something we would cover, but by the end of this episode, you will know how relevant it truly is. And also, I know for a fact
0: that there are emo girlies listening to this podcast. Reformed or current, they are there. So this is for you. This is for me. This is for Audrey by Proxy.
1: It's for me. You know what? I got there. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's true. I know the words to this album. That is like so crazy to me.
1: The Black Parade was
0: released on October 23rd, 2006, very pre Halloween. As of 2016, the album has sold 4 million copies, and that was almost 10 years ago. So you can imagine how many copies it sold now. The singles from the album were Welcome to the Black Parade, Famous Last Words, I Don't Love You, and Teenagers. If you are not Um, well-versed in the My Chemical Romance arts, you probably are just familiar with Welcome to the Black Parade and Teenagers, which are both good songs. Obviously, those songs, especially Welcome to the Black Parade, like defined the emo generation of that era. So you know the song. Who are My Chemical Romance? You may be wondering, other than the band that you know and the visual that you know. There is a unreal... Amount of lore and backstory for My Chemical Romance, Um, the My Chemical Romance iceberg goes extremely deep. The basic overview is that the band is made up of four men from New Jersey their drummer rotates out. Like they haven't really had a consistent drummer, but the drummer on the Black Parade was Bob Breyer. But the main four guys are Ray Toro on guitar, Frank Iero also on guitar, Mikey Way on bass, and Gerard Way on vocals. Respectfully, in this moment, I'm going to focus on Gerard Way because he has the most interesting career and is also the creative force behind the band conceptually, like artistically, he is the vision. And that's not to say that especially the guitarists aren't, and the bassist aren't super talented and creative as well. Like the guitars in My Chemical Romance move in ways that like no other band really does it. They are also talented, but Gerard is my favorite person in the world. So we're gonna talk about him. This has to do with Gerard, but it also is like a little bit of uh, information about the origin of my chemical romance. So Gerard had a background he was like a theater kid, but he also was really into comics and cartoons. He was working as an intern for Cartoon Network in New York City the day of the September 11 attacks and like saw the towers go down like from the window in his like office he was at. And basically that was like his call to action to I literally said to myself, fuck art. I've got to get out of the basement. I've got to see the world. I've got to make a difference. And He's all, first of all, fuck art is funny because he's still making art.
1: Yeah. But But I guess he means like visual. Or
0: yeah, or just like. I don't know. Fuck doing something on a piece of paper and it ends there, I guess. So the way that Gerard has always framed the origin of the band is that it's like, you know, when like a superhero team forms, it's like everyone has their normal lives and then they all find their super identities and meet up together. That's like a very comic book nerd way to approach that story, but that's kind of how he viewed it. And that 9-11 was basically like the event that started this team. While also in 2007, Gerard began writing the comic book miniseries, The Umbrella Academy. He wrote the story and illustrated the original version of the comic. And now you all know it's a show that's been running on Netflix since 2019, starring Elliot Page. Gerard is just like so earnest and such a creative force. And I just think that he passes the vibe check more than any other man in music, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So he is married to Lindsay, who is the basis of mindless self-indulgence. He has a daughter named Bandit, which is really cute. She's probably like a teenager by now or like 13, 14. I did see when I was searching that he was like, I've identified with a lot of feminine things, more than masculine things in the past. And like, I sympathize with transgender people because I feel like I've been somewhere on that spectrum before. I feel like if he was doing what he was doing then and now a kid
1: today there would be he
0: does say that he goes by he and they pronouns so there was this clip of this woman at one of their shows like up on another guy's shoulders and she like flashed her boobs at them and Gerard is like no flashing boobs we don't like that and then just he was like (laughs) listing the rules for the show he was like no like no pushing no punching each other No boobs, we don't like that. And if someone falls down, pick them up. I just thought that was so funny that it got like meshed in there. I saw his solo album tour in New York in 2014. And he, I know I've talked about this before, but he stood outside the venue and met every single person who came to the show and stood in line and like signed my notebook and like hugged everyone. Like that's not something you do if you don't really care.
1: Yeah, it's such a far cry from what most artists are trying to do. Yeah. That like when you come upon something like that, it's just very special. Yeah. Like it It kind of reminds me of like a Patty Smith. Uh-huh. A lot of like come to Jesus type moments of like, are we selling out? Like this isn't why I'm here. The people that watch us are so different than the people that I like. Yeah. Want. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so interesting. We'll
0: actually get to that because I have some quotes that I pulled that are related to that. But yeah, he is just an interesting person, a very lovable person. I love Gerard Way. But if you really want to go in depth on My Chemical Romance, I wish that was our podcast. However, it is not. I would recommend that you listen to My Chemical Fancast. They haven't posted anything new This year. But if you go back, they do a really, really, really in depth documentary basically of everything about their band from the very beginning. And it's hosted by two women, much like us. And I love their show. It's really good. All that being said, now we're going to get into some more information about the album itself. Going into the Black Parade era, My Chemical Romance was already pretty well known from the songs Helena and I'm Not Okay. The album that was off of Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was like considered their breakthrough album. So they did this really legendary MTV live performance as well, where Gerard stood on top of the bass drum and it fell over and the entire drum kit fell over. It's just like very pure Gerard content. Just as a side note, there's this documentary Life on the Murder Scene that documents the band right up through the beginning of the Black Parade era in very uh, loving depth. And it's made by the band themselves. So cannot recommend it enough. It's on YouTube.
1: So the Black Parade is a rock opera. The Black Parade follows the death of The Patient, a character suffering from a terminal illness. It chronicles him as he ventures out of life and death meets him as The Black Parade. The story is inspired by Gerard's belief that you are met upon death by a prominent memory from your life. In the album, The Patient is met by the memory of a parade he was taken to as a child. Of course.
0: This is clearly very inspired by Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, The Wall by Pink Floyd. It's kind of in like this lineage. I would say Queen. That too, obviously. Yeah. Queen. All of these like larger than life rock albums. Definitely. Bowie maybe. Yeah. And like Ziggy Ziggy Stardust, all that. Yeah. Um, All of that was mentioned in interviews with Gerard about the album. Another interesting thing just to know is that for this album, they did a 16-month mega tour with over 130 performances all over the world. It was like a stadium tour, and the band's performance was divided into two parts. In the first half, they would perform the entirety of the Black Parade from start to finish, performing as like the Black Parade. That was the name of their band. And they wore the costumes from the music video. And then they had a little break. And then afterwards, they would change into regular clothes and play like their greatest hits from other albums. So that's really cool. It is very cool. And just like there, there's also like a concert recording, like a high quality concert recording of them playing in Mexico City. And it's so good. Just, I had it on CD also when I was a kid. I will say the story of the Black Parade, when I tried to look up, like, what the story is, I feel like Gerard really only gave people, like, a couple little bits and
1: pieces here and there. I kind of feel like it was, like, kind of really clear. Yeah? Yeah. What do you think? Well, that would be for the second half. Okay,
0: okay, we'll get into it, we'll get into it. Okay, so getting into the reviews... On Metacritic, The Black Parade is given a 79. Alternative Press gave the album a 100 and said, The Black Parade is My Chemical Romance's whole raison d'etre rolled up into one mega decibel calling card. Play Louder gave it a 100 as well and said, For the first time in what seems like a long time, here is an album that is going to be deservedly huge.
1: Pop Matters gave it a 60 and said, Tight as a unit and apparently determined to create music that will, in one way or another, appeal to everyone. My Chemical Romance are in danger of forgetting that hooks, riffs, and yes, aggression are also needed to stay on top of their game. Rolling Stone gave it an 80. They said, The Black Parade is the best mid-70s record of 2006, a rabid, ingenious paraphrasing of echoes and kitsch from rock's golden age of bombast.
0: Okay. People were really ready to be like, this album is reductive of things that have been done before. To which I kind of say like, is it reductive or is it carrying forth a legacy? So when I was a kid, I remember when this album came out, a lot of my emo friends were like, I like Three Cheers better. Like the Black Parade's fine. Like it's just like meh. And I was like, is that real? So I went on a little journey and ended up on a Reddit thread. The prompt being... Older fans who were around when Welcome to the Black Parade first released, what was the immediate reaction like? And I just pulled a couple... Quotes. So one person said, I remember being a little worried when the first single dropped because they were suddenly so much more popular in mainstream. I was afraid some of the spark of revenge would be lost on the new album. I was wrong, but the production level was just so much more significant. I also missed my school bus because I was watching the Welcome to the Black Parade music video on MTV and was so shocked by the bleached buzz cut on Gerard. Had to sheepishly ask my parents to drive me and explain why. And then someone said... I was bummed the sound changed so much, but I did like a lot of the songs. It remained my least favorite album, but that shift made the change with Danger Days less shocking and was like, guess they just do this, lol. Danger Days was the album after Black Parade. It took a long time to fully come around to the Black Parade unclouded by my disappointment. And then lastly, the tour was incredible. I was lucky enough to see it in early 2007 in Manchester. This was right at the peak of the Daily Mail trying to blame my chemical romance for teenagers' self-harming and other things like that. Obviously false. So there was a bunch of us just tooling around Manchester before the gig, starting to chant, fuck the Daily Mail, good times. (laughs) So that streamlines into one of like, the most significant cultural things going on alongside this album being at large. This was very much in the era of being emo, being kind of edgy. Like you you already know the look. Like I'm, I have it right now. Like this, if I had more layers, it's a very hot topic. There was this story that started this whole landslide where basically the Daily Mail, known shitty news outlet from the UK, released this article with the title, Girl 13 hangs herself after becoming obsessed with emo suicide cult rock band. These are just little quotes I pulled. One of the foremost of these suicide cult bands is My Chemical Romance from New Jersey. Their first single, Welcome to the Black Parade, from the album, The Black Parade, was released in 2006 and became a huge hit, going to number one in Britain. The concept album follows the story of a character called the patient who dies of cancer. The Black Parade is a nickname for the place where emo fans believe they will go when they die. Which is just (laughs) totally made up. Made up. (laughs) It's just made up. It's not real. And it really hurt Gerard
1: there's a high likelihood that someone with depression might enjoy the album, The Black Parade, but it is not because of the album, The Black Parade. It's correlation versus causation. Yeah, like, and and an album like The Black Parade might, someone like that might find a lot of comfort in and it would actually be a, a good thing for them.
0: Yeah. Essentially though, this whole argument that was being made and the fact that, MCR was even getting lumped in with the concept of emo was really irritating, Gerard. I think especially because Mm -hmm. at the time there wasn't this wave of emo that was like Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Paramore, My Chemical Romance. It was like a different genre before. It was like Sunny Day, Real Estate, that kind of band. So he was confused by the categorization overall. And essentially... The whole situation left Gerard doing a lot of this. Never ever
2: use violence as a solution,
0: and he did this before the black parade, but it was a little bit more punk, it was a bit less earnest, it's a bit less Mm -hmm. like talk to your parents and find a support group. Uh, but then he probably was like just motivated to be extremely literal, yeah. Well, and also, like, when you go from playing midsize venues to playing arena shows, like the sense of responsibility, especially when you're someone as smart as Gerard, has to be so much greater.
1: Yeah. And you just know the kind of impact that you can have by saying one thing.
0: Yeah. In 2010, the band let out their last album, which had never really been a plan. Gerard pretty much planned for the band to end after the Black Parade. But I found this interesting quote about the 2010 album, which is funny because, Audrey, he basically says what you just said in this article. On the Black Parade, he dubbed himself the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned. And he established for the band the modest goal of rescuing the world, I thought if we made an album that tried to change the world or give it hope, it would really happen, Way says cheerfully. But all people found was death and destruction and misery and self-hate. I learned that the <laughs> world doesn't want to be saved and it will fucking punch you in the face if you try. Oh. Aww. <laughs> these days, I know, these days he's charmingly self-mocking about the idea of trying to win the world over with a musical, wearing marching band uniforms and singing about our feelings. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just feel like
0: that's unnecessarily <laughs> sad. Yeah, the takeaway does not need to be that sad.
1: It had more of an impact than he ever probably could have dreamed. I mean, the impact yeah. of that album is huge. Yeah, going about it with the mission statement of "I want to change the world" is like—I mean, he did. Like he, he did. did. He, you can't. You can't change human nature, but you definitely left an impact. Like so true. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. He was like, I want to
0: shape the course of man. Like he did yeah. in some ways. Memories about
1: this album. I only ever had it because you had it on, you know, iTunes or whatever. And then it just like would end up on my iPod. And then whatever you were into, <laughs> I would just be like, hmm. I'll give it a shot, you know, even though if you started listening to it in about seventh or eighth grade, it was like
0: eighth grade.
1: Yeah. Then I was fully like 10, like 10 years old. Yep. And I do have one distinct memory, which was that I decided that I was going to get my splits down. Like I was going to... stretch for like 20 minutes every day to get my splits down because I was in competition dance and I, I wanted to be in jazz and lyrical and do all the other genres as well as tap. But the thing is, it's a flexibility contest and my <laughs> genetics simply do not allow me, you know, it used to make me so mad when people could do splits who were not dancers. Yeah. I was like, you are going to hell. <laughs> yeah, I agree, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, my memory though, I was listening to my iPod and stretching to the Black Parade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the perfect stretching music. Was it yeah. the song Welcome to the Black Parade
1: specifically? My memory is that it was dead. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I love that image. But other than that, it was very much just me kind of observing you and your friends and being like, no, like I like, I genuinely did like that album, but it was so far out of anything that I listened to before.
0: Yeah. No. You weren't wearing the costume.
1: No, I think there definitely, it definitely was scary to me.
0: When I listened to the album the first time, I also went into it thinking it was scary. Like mm-hmm. specifically, I had friends that were kind of like my new cool friends at the time who were like emo kids. Because we had moved to a new town like pretty recently when all this started. And they all had their like zip up My Chemical Romance sweatshirts and shit. And I had already gotten into Paramore because Paramore was like my gateway it's a emo band. yeah. And I was like, okay, I think I can, I think I can take it. So we were on a family vacation to Colorado and we went to Pike's Peak. We took this train, this little train thing to the top of Pike's Peak. And I was in middle school. So of course I was allowed to listen to my iPod and like brood while Listening. Which, by the way, there is a picture of us at the bottom of the mountain, and I'm in my pink and black guitar shirt with the necklace. That photo was taken moments before listening to the Black Parade for the first time.
1: So you were listening. (laughs) Just, like, the thought of that is really funny. Yeah. You were listening. Like, do you remember being at the top? Because remember, it was snowing when we got up there, even though it was summer, at the bottom. Yes. Uh, like it was summer actually. But do you remember like standing at the top and like listening to it?
0: Because well, I had to stop listening when we got out, obviously, because oh. it would have been weird to be listening to it then. <laughs> but I remember like looking at all the plant life and like listening to the songs and like Listening to Mama and being like, holy shit, this is like a mm-hmm. crazy album. And then Blood freaked me out, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just was not mentally prepared for like fun spooky at the time. Yeah. But, and again, I've talked about this before, I think, but that same trip is when I read, I think, moon? New Moon. Moon. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think it's New Moon.
0: And we have the documentation for that that you will be seeing. And I was wearing my plastic hair extension, mm-hmm. all slays. And now I have actual pink hair.
1: Yeah, it was always, it, what's really interesting sometimes for me to think about is like what I would have been like, had you not been my older sibling? Because yeah, like I avoid, not even avoided, but just didn't claim certain things because they were your thing, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. So it's not even, I never was a twilight hater, I just simply did not claim it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't claim Twilight either, really. Right. But like in general, like the dark things, if yes. there was the dark thing, I wasn't going to claim it. I would probably partake in it a little bit just to see what it was. Yeah. But I didn't make it my brand. Yes. And for me, that all began with Avril Lavigne,
0: which is so yeah. funny.
1: But at least I wasn't a hater though. I always was just like, I like also loved all the stuff. But just didn't, like... You were, like, you were like very agnostic aesthetically. Yeah. I just wanted, you know, a Target outfit.
0: <laughs> I still just want a Target outfit. Like, yeah. that's all we really want in life anyway. I have a lot of my chemical romance memories. Me and my high school best friend, Allie, dressed up as, like, relatively obscure music video characters for Halloween one year. She was Helena, which is not that obscure i was really obscure i was from the music video for i don't love you which is really weird because it's like a man and a woman and the woman is all white and the man is all black and it like gives blackface even though it's not blackface. it's really weird to look at now yeah also as a side note gerard is really hot in all of the videos for this Mm -hmm. album just saying
1: so you say that when you first started listening cuz at some point like it is in a sense like a mental pipeline to you said in your intro that you tried to be angsty basically yes, like in the yes, beginning because yes. when you're a child you are just not until you're exposed to it you're you're not aware of like that kind of mentality like yeah you learn like through media sometimes, what it would mean to be an angsty teen or what it would mean to be emo or how to self-hate. Now, if you already have those feelings and then you listen to this album and you feel seen by it and it reflects what you already had going on, I think that's like a very, that can be very positive, but there definitely is an aspect to listening to an album like this at a young age where you mentally were not in that space. And now you are, or you are starting to dabble. You're starting to (laughs) dabble with it. Not to say that like kind of along the lines of the video game conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not that being exposed to it will turn you into that thing, but it will just widen your horizons of like understanding where other people are coming from, I guess. I I don't know. What do you think of that? I think that... It's very complicated, kind of. Well, I
0: mean, I have a story, but, like, I don't... Oh, yeah. Okay, (laughs) okay. I don't know. Okay. It's pretty funny, but it's also fucked up.
1: (laughs) It's your choice. Okay. You could say it in a way that is, like, not as blatant. I'm going to say it in a way that's not so bad, but... Okay,
0: Trigger warning, self-harm, just go with me. It's not, a, it's not serious, but it's not not serious. Okay, so you'll probably remember this if you're my age. I'm 28. There was like this thing where like cutting yourself was like very much treated as like a personality trait. Like it was a thing you would do to be able to fit in with this this click, basically. Mm-hmm. And no one was going ham, as far as I know. It was mostly like, it was almost like a situation where it's like, I dare you to lick that pole in the winter or something like that. Right. Like, it was very much like, I bet you won't do it. And then people would do it, but it wouldn't be because of, like, mental health issues. It would kind of be... Yeah,
1: which is like, so... That's what I'm talking about. Like yeah. that exact thing of what this album is actually talking about applies to concepts that most of the young listeners are are not really in the mental space of. So it becomes like, how can I be a part of an image rather than like a genuine,
0: I don't know. Like, Well, okay. But the other thing too is like the Black Parade and really all of MCR's albums, none of them talk about self-harm, and none of them talk about suicide. To me, it's like, when you understand where Gerard is coming from, which is like this highly stylized, like, cartoon almost, it makes it make more sense. But... It's kind of more like, okay, there is this pre-packaged idea of what an emo kid is and you want to tick all of the boxes. Oh, oh, right. Because, of, oh, because a big part of it is, were you a poser? Right. Or were you the real deal?
1: Which genuinely, like, what you're talking about is the most posery thing you could possibly do. Well, that's because we were all 12. <laughs> yeah. None like, of us. Not, I remember hearing the word poser for the first time in the movie School of Rock. Yeah, and being like like that expanded my horizons in a big way. Groupie, poser, sellout, all that. Like, yeah, stick it to the man. Like, yeah.
0: I also remember like that Daily Mail article that I referenced earlier. Like, I wrote one of my like essays in eighth grade, like defending emo (laughs) like as a thing, (laughs) and I used that article as like. I think it was an argumentative essay. And I was arguing against that article. So, and then it was very like, who's going to pick the most emo looking book to read? Who's going to wear the most black? Who's going to get the studded belt?
1: Like all that. And then it becomes like about material items and it becomes about appearance and it becomes about all these things that have nothing to do with what is actually being expressed artistically, I would yes. I would say.
0: I mean the fact that Hot Topic had like eight million piles of my comical romance merch everywhere, like it did get really conflated with the capitalism of it all. It did. And that might be part of why Gerard was so jaded about the whole thing in the end. There's a lot of really funny pictures and videos of me in like rock concerts from eighth and ninth grade. And I did sing a really obscure B side from Life on the Murder scene. Throw on your black dress, mix in with the lot. You might wake up and notice you're someone you're not in the second half of the episode, which is coming up
1: next.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily
0: Okay. Welcome to the Black Parade, fellow emos. Don't tell your mom that you're listening to the Black Parade even now. Okay. Some of these songs, I have a feeling we're not actually going to have that much to say about. So we might skip a few while we're going through the list, but it's, if we skip it, just assume that's because we really like it.
1: Because this album is one long narrative, I feel like that is also the reason. It's like, we don't talk about every part of the movie yeah. when we cover a movie. Yeah. It's kind of kind of similar. Okay. We're going to start. No, that's a, that's a question we didn't even ask, though, is like, did mom just like, was she completely out of the music censoring scene by this point? I think that it was like, if it wasn't
0: rated explicit, if it didn't have the explicit thing on it, then I could get it. And so... That's a loophole. It is a loophole. I, don't, I think I bought it from iTunes. A lot of the music I had, yeah. I would get from the library, but I don't think I got mm-hmm. this one from the library. But I think I did get three cheers from the library.
1: That was a huge lifestyle also. Sorry oh, yeah. to interrupt, but no, that was okay. a huge lifestyle. Going to the library, getting the CDs, ripping them at home, putting the... And this I didn't do this. You did this. Mm-hmm. Putting... Um, them on iTunes, putting them on your iPod and like putting the image yes into the file. Yes. That whole thing. Yes. It was great. It was such a fun pastime. Like I would go to the
0: library and have my little plastic basket and I'd get like 25 CDs and then bring them home, put them all on iTunes. As Audrey said, ugh, it was like, it was like hunting and gathering for yeah. a high schooler. Like, oh, it was so good.
1: What I think is like impressive about that also is that you like wanted to hear so much new music. Yeah. Because sometimes I get in phases where I can't bring myself to like die, and I know you you've yeah. definitely experienced that now. But like that's very much up an era of like expanding your yeah, like your mind was expanding at a rapid rate. Yeah, musically. Yes, I think that. As I've
0: So as I've been in my artist's way phase, as you have, I've been thinking a lot about how the way that I like approached art and creativity in general was really healthy then. And I think that obviously when you get older, things get convoluted and like capitalism steps in and stuff. But I'm trying to mm-hmm. approach things. I'm trying to reframe my creative approach to how it was when I was in high school, which sounds weird, but... I am serious. I agree, yeah. The track list for The Black Parade is The End, Dead, This Is How We Disappear, The Sharpest Lives, Welcome to The Black Parade, I Don't Love You, House of Wolves, Cancer, Mama, Sleep, Teenagers, Disenchanted, Famous Last Words, and The Hidden Track is Blood. This album runs 51 minutes if I'm correct because I went on a long walk the other day and it ended right before I got home.
1: Yes. And I really really would recommend just listening to this whole thing straight through yeah. because as we said it is a rock opera and some of the tracks transition some of the track transitions are so good that they really should not be missed, I think. So what do you think? How do you interpret the story of this? Well, I'm kind of confused as to why you're confused. It's because I read a really
0: confusing synopsis earlier today, and now I'm like, am I wrong?
1: Oh, I, I agree. I saw like a ton of really different interpretations for this album, and that's cool that people can take so many different things from it. Yeah. But to me, in its most basic sense... This is the journey of the patient who has like terminal cancer. It's kind of like their mental journey from knowing that they're going to die to ultimately deciding kind of Jesus take the wheel moment. Yeah. Like to me, like that's the end. The ending is like accepting that you do not have control Mm -hmm. of your fate. All the songs in between are kind of like different facets of thinking about that. There's themes of like, alcoholism mm-hmm. or like a, a bad relationship or like maybe being left because of your sickness or mm-hmm. um, like your family not understanding or people close to you not understanding like the nihilism that would come with that state mm-hmm. of being I think I wrote that for disenchanted My God. so I feel that's kind of how I interpret it I love how much you put into this this uh, is amazing Yeah,
0: I think the same thing. I think there's like little dips on the path,
1: like teenagers. There are just randomly. Yeah, that's what I wrote. (laughs) That's what I wrote too. I wrote. I love this song, but I kind of don't understand its role in the greater narrative. It kind of feels like an aside. I almost feel like this could Um, have
0: been the hidden track or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a single or something. I mean, it's a great song. Okay, so starting with the end.
1: Now come on, come on to this tragic affair. I mean, when I hear it, I just immediately think of you and Allie. Aw. I'm not thinking of myself. Like, it's, uh-huh. it just doesn't really remind me of me, but I do know most of the words, so it's kind of interesting. I do remember being intro to the concept of angst also. Uh-huh. And being like, I don't get it. Like the lyric, if you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, you can find out firsthand what it's like to be me. I was like, don't get it. I was like, I love what I see. I was like, I've never th- had a negative thought ever. <laughs> I was like, I don't. Uh, okay. I think I almost kind of thought it was like made up like that sort of drama. I was like, People are not depressed. Like I like, yeah. didn't think that that was real, yeah. which is like very up. Blessed, of course, right? I was a very happy kid, so like hearing that, I'm just like, Oh, "Oh, someone's not happy, yeah, yeah, and it's so theatrical that you also kind of feel like it's made up from that perspective, yes.
0: It reminds me a lot of the opening track, um, Five Years from Ziggy Stardust. It's in a lineage of specific albums, I will say. That if you watch the live in New Mexico, no, if you watch the live in Mexico performance, it's so good. And he's like, I'd encourage your smiles. I'll expect you all cry. He like screams and then like does this thing and this giant curtain falls behind him. And it's just like, it's just like peak Gerard and also peak Black Parade. It's so good. It's a, I don't think there could be a better opener, honestly.
1: When I was re-listening, I was just thinking about how much I, like, miss cohesion in albums. Yeah. Why can't we all approach? Why, why can't albums make sense as albums? On to Dead. I mean, I, I didn't even write notes for this because <laughs> I was just, like, show-stopping, you know? <laughs> this is great. Dead is...
0: Definitely a banger. Um, the character voices, the guitar solo, the rousing la 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 la's at the end. It's like, I think what's so perfect about it, too, is that the end takes itself pretty seriously. I mean, none of it. It, it does and it doesn't. But like to an eighth grader it would be taking itself seriously.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with middle schoolers listening to this is like you kind of. Aren't aware of a wink and a nudge, right? You're not aware the way that you are. You're not aware. So it's like you might think this is all like at face value, like I did. You know, yeah. I just was like, "Yep, yeah, this is how these people are." Dead is
0: a little bit more. I mean, it's a lot more playful, and I think it's a bit harder to ignore
1: that it is being playful. Yeah. I I didn't really write much or really anything for "This Is How I Disappear" because I know it the least. I think it's
0: a good song. When I was a kid, I would sometimes, like, This Is How I Disappear and The Sharpest Lives would kind of blur together. Oh, this has the awesome outro. I promise I will have actual notes about some of these songs, but so far, we've only done bangers. Sharpest Lives, I feel the same, personally.
1: I I was, like, reading the lyrics. I think that's why I, like, had all these thoughts about, mm-hmm. um like, the story of it all because yeah. I was reading lyrics. And this one is literally just, like, you could interpret it as a song about being hungover, yeah. but using only vampire references.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was recently sober when he was writing this album. He was sober as of 2007, and this album was created in 2006. So it would make sense that like the substance abuse stuff would be worked into the album because he has so much experience with it.
1: Um, Next, the theme.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Black Parade. Welcome to the Black Parade makes me think about what it would take to cross into the mainstream like that. Like Mm -hmm. how does a song with that many distinctive parts kind of like bohemian rhapsody but less weird than bohemian rhapsody like crossover the way it did it's really memorable it kind of reminds me of the music said, video is so good oh, i know it's so good it's like the ghost of you but even bigger bigger scale than that i mean it's it's a culture maker culture changer mm-hmm.
1: I was rewatching the music video and I just was thinking like, men really don't hit like this anymore. i was thinking the same
0: thing. I'm like, I miss being able to listen to like men.
1: Yeah, because I don't, I really hardly ever listen to male musicians ever. Me neither. They're either so far from my point of view that I'm not going to listen to them Mm -hmm. or I can't sing along and I don't like their voice or they're just boring. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. (laughs) Boring. So listen to Troy Sivan. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. <laughs> He's at least trying, <laughs> unlike the rest of you.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't love you. I love this song. This was probably my favorite when I was in high school.
1: Yeah, I love it too. And it feels like a welcome rest from what you just went through. <laughs> yeah.
0: This song. So when we were directing the Black Parade show at School of Rock, there was this, we had three singers and it was like two 11 year olds and then a senior in high school. She was a girl. And she very quickly was like, I need to sing I Don't Love You and I need to sing Cancer. She was like, I want all the sad ones. And this song it's There is teen angst baked into it, and I got to observe that with her singing it. Gerard said in an interview at some point, or I think it might have been Frank, said that this was their first attempt at writing, like, a true, like, ballad, like, love song ballad, Mm -hmm. and I love this song. I think it's great.
1: I don't really have critiques either because like, how can I critique something that was so well thought out? I, it doesn't right. even matter if I like it or not, Right? like it truly. And, but I do like it, but even if I didn't, the bar is just so low today yeah. that like, I just have to respect it. And I know you can tell by listening to it, we didn't even talk about like producers or like Uh, production, but it is intense. Yeah, I will say the main producer for
0: the album is Rob Cavallo, who was sort of like the whisperer of this sort of band at the time. Like he was like Green Day's producer. So he produced American Idiot, which you can kind of... They don't sound the same, but you can. He's just that kind of guy. There's a DNA. He also yeah. produced
1: "Decode"
0: by Paramore, mm-hmm. so he had that sauce for the time.
1: Yeah, I, I I love his production. I like miss, um, in the in the grand takeover of Jack Antonoff's style of production. Yeah. I do miss a boldness and like like no fear of hearing every every note every <laughs> note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. And also, and it's not, it's not even Jack Antonoff's fault that he produces everybody now. Like, it's cool that he's been able to like have such such success, but it does cause a mass landing that is like not his fault, but it kind of is. Moving on to House
0: of Wolves, you know, I have a strong association with this song. Yes. So first of all, this is a great song. I love how I used to imagine when I would listen to it, like descending into like a shady like jazz club vibe like that's kind of how the music is arranged which is funny because so you all know that we are from ohio and that we were in show choir in high school we were from northeast ohio which had like black people and jewish people and a lot of central ohio is very 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 white the diversity is in, is in the major cities and Northeast Ohio. And Central Ohio gets very white and very Christian. There was this group that we competed against in 2013. They were from, I'm not even going to name the school. They were from a school outside of Cincinnati, I think. So everyone would do like elaborately themed shows. Like one year, our show was themed after Nightmares. One year, it was themed after the Oscars. This show was themed after Swing Kids. And if you know what Swing Kids is, it is a movie about a group of kids right before World War II, like dancing and enjoying music. And House of Wolves was in this show uh, that was blatantly a Holocaust-themed show to the point where, at the end, they were standing behind concentration camp gates in rags And I could not believe this shit when I saw it in real life to the point where, like, it's not on YouTube anymore. Like, it was removed. But when I found it years ago, I downloaded it because I was like, people will never believe me that this actually existed. And, like, I need to archive this, like, for future generations. So I always think of that... to cancer. This song, I used to skip when I was a kid because it was too sad for me.
1: I literally almost started crying just listening to it today and I was not expecting that because I was, again, reading the lyrics. If you read the lyrics and listen to it, it's even harder to like not feel the emotions He's saying the hardest part of dying is not even the dying. Yeah. It's the leaving the person. I
0: think that the way that cancer is like so unafraid to be really, really sad in your face kind of speaks to Gerard's whole approach to everything, which is very like there's no sugarcoating things. It's all very, very true. And is the song perhaps a bit much. Yeah, but it feels like Gerard to me. And I like that about it. Now on to Mama featuring Liza Manelli. It's so cool. I love this song.
2: And if you would call me your sweetheart, I'd maybe then sing you a song.
1: It's just kind of kooky. It's kooky. It's got character
0: voices. It's still really emotional. It's perfect. It ends in this crazy, like, chorale, and Liza Minnelli is, like, warbling over it. And I also saw in the credits that a lot of those voices are actually, it's actually really cute, are the moms of the kids in the, the kids, the boys in the band. So their moms are also Mm -hmm. singing, which is cool.
1: Sometimes they do veer a little bit close to like, I don't know, slight cringe territory. <laughs> yeah. Like when it comes to character voices, like steampunk, et cetera. Sometimes. Oh, you think so? They get, sometimes, but they they don't cringe me out. But in, there are a few moments where they're getting, they're very close. They're flying, extremely close.
0: F- flying close to the steampunk sun with the antics. Yes, Sleep. I'm going to be really controversial and say that sleep is good. The whole concept of it being about night terrors is really interesting. It's great. No notes. Let's just move on. T- I feel like we already spoke to teenagers a little bit.
2: They said,
0: The more I get, the more I like this song and not just because of the subject matter, but because of the production of it and like Mm -hmm. the vocals and the chorus, especially with the gang vocals. I just think it sounds sweet and it's really different for them.
1: Yeah, it does feel maybe kind of random in the album as a whole, but it's such a good song. I get why they just were like, yeah, we're doing it where it's in there. Yep. You've just been through like depression station with the last like three songs. So it's a a bit
0: lighter. Yeah. And Disenchanted does not take you out of depression town. So also teenagers ended up being a huge song like that got a ton of radio play, too. So they probably knew that it would be successful. So famous last words is like the best song ever. No, I
2: know that I can't make you stay. But
1: where's your heart? Your heart. This is like what I was saying earlier. I feel like the lyrics to this song are the Jesus take the wheel moment. Yes. I am not afraid to keep on living. It sounds more positive. Like the sound of the song. Yeah.
0: It's like pow- empowered sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Empowered. Yeah. I am not afraid to keep on living. I am not afraid to walk this world alone.
1: Yeah, like, the the character is basically saying, regardless of what happens, if people leave me, if I die of illness, if I don't, if I... No matter what, I'm not afraid to just go through it, basically, is what what it's saying. Um, But when I was reading the lyrics on Genius, I was laughing because the interpretations are either really deep or extremely literal. (laughs) And so they were trying to also say whoever was writing these that it could either be about you know the potential of this character's partner leaving them because they're sick and like kind of like the metaphorical story of it or it could be about mikey way temporarily leaving the band during the production (laughs) like no that is not it Sometimes like people get too carried away with like the lore of the band yeah. that they will project things onto the lyrics that are so clearly not intended. Yeah. It's like agreed.
0: Why? Especially the ending of the song with uh
1: I'll see you
0: lying next to me with words I thought I'd never speak. Awake and unafraid, asleep or dead. That part will make me cry. That whole ending chunk, like, there's strings in it. It just feels like such a really, really, really solid finale to the album. It's like what it deserves. Yeah. Also, Famous Last Words is a great name for the song. It really does, like, going back to the whole emo argument thing where Gerard would be like, our whole band is anti-suicide, our whole band is anti-self-harm, like... The whole point of this album is like what you just said, Audrey, like no matter what you face in life, you're going to find a way to make it and there will be.
1: Yeah, like there yeah. is no, there is, how could you listen to this album? If anybody who was like a naysayer actually listened to the whole album, I the takeaway would not be this is like a demonic band that tells kids to hurt themselves. That's, it's just so not the takeaway of the album that it's like, you didn't listen to it. like
0: Well, and it's also like all of the invoking of like nightmares and vampires and monsters and wolves and stuff. Like it's all an aesthetic. It's all like a realm of art. It's not supposed to be scary, really. His intent being misinterpreted was like, Really hard for him. Painful. Yeah. It seemed like it was really hard for him and the whole band. But everyone in the band even acknowledges that, like, it's Gerard's baby primarily. Yeah. And so I don't know. I'm, he's one of those people where, like, I'm very happy to be alive in the same timeline as him because.
1: I think he will be like one of the more underrated songwriters and musicians of his generation. Like when, as time passes, like when people start doing retrospectives on My Chemical Romance, they, and I'm sure they already do, but like, you know, like when he's more like end of life, you know, (laughs) it'll be like, oh, like the, the influence of this is actually huge. As far as like the 2007 of it all, it really like shifted. Yeah. Something his writing definitely shifted something.
0: Yeah, I agree. So they did a comeback tour. They announced it like right before COVID, which is so sad, but they ended up doing their dates. I think we should just all be grateful that they stopped when they did with new music because look at Brendan Urie. Like that could have.
1: Yeah, like we could have ended up there. Like <laughs> we could have ended up with Gerard Way in Me by Taylor. Right, <laughs> like things could have escalated. Uh, I don't not actually, but it never actually, actually would have.
0: But you know, the whole hero villain thing. He stayed the hero, mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, I love it when it, what I take took away from that is that they, he was very much like this is a musical experiment that has seen its end. Yes, and I'm happy with that. And like knowing when to leave is like the most powerful skill that like an artist can have. Yeah. Because there are so many elements that would not want them to do that and would beg them not to do that, actually. Yeah. The last song is the hidden track. Yes. And it's called Blood. I like it. Now hidden tracks, hidden tracks are like kind of common, but at the time or deluxe tracks, if you will. Yeah. Bonus tracks. At the time, though, I thought it kind of felt like discovering something like that you weren't supposed to hear because the song starts halfway through. Uh It's like empty and then it starts like halfway through, which it's almost like banking on people being too impatient to wait to hear. So I think that's cool. Yeah.
0: And it's just funny because it is so theatrical and just like aligns with the whole deal. I remember when I heard it for the first time, it freaked me out, though. Most of this album freaked me out the first time I listened to it. But now it's like my favorite.
2: So give them blood, blood gallons of the stuff. Give them all that they can drink and it will never be enough. So give them blood, blood, blood. Grab a glass because there's going to be a flood.
1: I have a little quote, something I saw on Genius that I think is probably accurate. Okay. It seems accurate. So the part where they go, we'll give you blood, Mm -hmm. like they change it from them to you. Somebody said, by changing them to you, it is indicated that the song refers to the fans as they are the only ones who will listen to a hidden track. (laughs) The final line of the chorus refers to how thefts idolized the members despite their flaws. Although they are human wreckage, they are loved by the fan base. I think that's a cool interpretation. Yeah, I think it is a cool interpretation. It definitely does feel like that, like the band singing to the fans, like we'll give you what you yeah. want, which is us singing about the blood and the guts and yeah. all of it. But like at the end of the day, that's not really what we're about. Yeah. Like it's like, that's kind of how I, mean, I, I think, interpreted that. I think that's true.
0: And I also think that it is, that is their trolling song. Okay. So to round it out, what are your three favorites?
1: Um, I have mine. I'm not going to go with the obvious. Like, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to do Welcome to the Black Parade. Like, yeah. obviously, that's an amazing song. I think Dead, I Don't Love You, and Teenagers? I don't know. Okay. That's hard. Okay. Mine
0: are This Is How I Disappear for that crazy outro. It is This Is How I Disappear, Mama, And Famous Last Words. But then I Don't Love You is an honorable mention. This album really captures a moment in time, a moment in culture that I was really involved in. Audrey was very involved in too.
1: And I... Just not visually. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I really love the drama of it all. I think that most... I don't know. I've yet to witness anything for teenagers now that is specifically new and meant for them and this theatrical. Oh yeah. Like when we just did the School of Rock show, we had like 13 year olds that were like decked out in merch, like just getting into them. Like it's still a thing that is growing, which I think
1: is really touching. I think uh, the last question, I have like a final question, which is, is scary music for scary people? And I would say, no. There aren't that many scary people, if you really think about it. Exactly. It's like, okay, so millions of people love this band, but there's only like, you know, not a large percentage of them that would actually qualify as a scary person. Yeah.
0: You have to be a little emotional to really like My Chemical Romance and and hit with it. You have
1: to like theatricality. Yeah. I'm sure there were a lot of people like fans of the emo scene at the time that would be like, MCR is gay. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, like would totally disclaim it. I mean, that was a thing Which for
0: is, sure back then.
1: Yeah. So that was probably really rough for them. Yeah. To like come up against those people at venues all the time. Yeah. Like that was probably really rough. Yeah. They talk about
0: that in um Life on the Murder scene, If if you guys want to hear more about that. Also, Frank and Gerard would like kiss on stage and stuff just more in like a they would do that as like a demonstration a little bit. Yeah, like a like a trolling (laughs) thing, but also like if you're a weird gay kid here, like it's
1: fine. All right, Emos ready for some information. As always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepovercinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday you can follow me Audrey at Audrey a Leach on everything and you can follow
0: me Hannah at real Judy Garland on Instagram and at Lana on track on Twitter and please join our discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreen
1: you can check out our merch at two slash shop we have t-shirts sweatshirts stickers and more and if you like the
0: show if you were an emo in middle or high school or maybe even still I identify as an emo, share this episode with a friend, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts,
1: and again, join the Discord to talk about your faves. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Eloia.
0: Your memory goes marching
2: Thanks so much for checking it out.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.